My mom is going to be 80 years old in February, and she lives with us, so it's a blessing to have her. If you've ever seen her, she looks like she's uh, 65. Uh, uh, today is the grand opening of our Rock San Marcos campus. Let's give all these people out there a big hand. God bless y'all. We want to... I want to just give a a shout out and a thank you for uh, Pastor Jason, his wife Carissa, and their leadership up in San Marcos. I know right now they're all screaming up there, so God bless y'all. I know it's exciting, and uh, God's going to do amazing things to that new campus in San Marcos. Anyone say San Marcos? Today is also the one-year anniversary of our Rock City Heights campus. Pastor Mike and Didi, let's give a hand. Amen. God bless y'all. City Heights. And I know all of them are screaming right now, all kinds of screaming over there right now. Everybody say all kinds. That's their thing out there. So City Heights, God bless y'all. Uh, God's going to be doing an amazing thing. So excited about that. Um, I also want to say uh, Toys for Joy. Toys for Joy, we started Toys for Joy four years before we started the church. I had a ministry called Miles Ahead Ministries. We were doing youth crusades around the world. It started right here in San Diego. And we decided to do something in between the crusades, which was give away toys on Christmas. And that's what Toys for Joy has become. It's 20 years now. And we have, we'll have a Toys for Joy at Lincoln High School, one in East County, San Isidro, and San Marcos. Um, so if you are not serving, I can't encourage you enough to come out and serve at the Toys for Joy. There are people who line up starting Friday afternoon, spend the night on the street to get a toy the next day. And so I would encourage you to come out and serve with us on Saturday. Uh, there are a lot of people going to give everybody a toy, clothes. We also have a clothing station where they can get clothes and food that they can take home, food that they can eat that day, entertainment, haircuts, all kind of stuff. So it's an amazing way to share practical love with our, with our city. Amen? Amen. Amen. One more thing before, uh, two more things, actually. Uh, uh, Donnell Pumphrey, which is the running back from San Diego State, just uh, came the second all-time rushing leader in all NT2A history. Amen. Let's give him a big hand. Let's give him a big hand. That's a big deal. If you're not a football fan, it's just a big deal. 6,200 yards. He's 5'9", 180 pounds. Little itty-bitty guy, but that's a bad brother. I have never met him. I would love to meet him. I would be honored to meet him. So if any of y'all know him and you could hook me up with an introduction, I would love to meet the brother. <laughs> For real. I just, I haven't met him, but I should. And just want to give him a hug. I saw his story on TV about his life, and it's just very inspiring, but I think it's a great feat for a local guy, and San Diego State doesn't get a lot of love here in San Diego, so we need to give him some more love. Amen? One last thing. In January, we are going to go on a 21-day fast, and you could fast whatever you want, but it is intended for you to, to fast food, and I, I've been on many, many fasts from one day to 40 days. I did three 40-day fasts in my life, and people always say, what does food have to do with being spiritual? And I say, if you stop eating, you will find out. (laughs) There's just no other way to say it. There's some things you just have to experience. I could explain to you all day long, but I will tell you that if you go on the fast, you will have an experience with God that you do not have and are not having now. Uh, There's a story in the Bible where Jesus uh, cast out a demon of a little boy and his disciples have been praying for this little boy. And a demon came out and they said, why couldn't we do that? And he said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And not only can this kind of demon, but he was also saying this kind of power out of you can only come out through prayer and fasting. So I I want you to be preparing your head and your heart because starting now through Christmas, you're going to be eating all kind of stuff, and it's holiday, you're going to gain all this weight, and you're going to be all gorded out and all this stuff. And you're going to get up that system, but come January, it's a new year, I want you to start preparing your mind, I'm going to go on this fast. 
And you'll, if it's 21 days, we'll you know, do seven days or so. Of, of, you could do it any way you want, but what I would do is, what I do is I have seven days where I start cutting stuff out, and then I have seven days where I do liquid, and in the middle, two or three days with just water. It's awesome. So you kind of get more intense, and then, and then you kind of gradually get back into it. But the real thing is not to give up the food only, it's to draw closer to God. Now, in addition, what we're going to start in, Saturday, in, in January is on all our campuses, we're going to start a Saturday morning prayer meeting on all our campuses. One hour, 60 minutes of prayer on every campus on Saturday morning. Now you're like, man, listen, Saturday morning, Saturday, Saturday morning is my sleeping morning. It's the one day of the week that I sleep in. Now, for me, sleeping in is like 6 o'clock, right? <laughs> but, so it's not that big a deal. But it's my late. It, we're going to pray for the city. We're going to pray for the sermon the next day, always the church the next day. But also it's a time for us to come together collectively on all our campuses and to pray for our county, pray for our, our lives, and pray that God open up heaven and pour the Holy Spirit out on us every week. And so I want you to be, I want you to be in your mind and your heart preparing yourself for next year that you would set yourself up in January for a supernatural year. Everyone say supernatural. Everyone take a deep breath in on all our campuses. One, two, three, take a deep breath in. Say supernatural. supernatural. We are not here to do something in the natural. I'm not here trying to convince you in your mind to make a decision only. I'm here, hopefully the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me to t- change your heart. That you would say, you know, Lord, I want to I live a supernatural life. I don't want the same old, same old. Can I get amen? So in January, we're going to go on a 21-day fast, and we're going to start praying on Saturday mornings together. Can you imagine if, if you know, all, our, all the different uh, sanctuaries, were, our sanctuaries were full, and all our campuses are people calling out to God every Saturday, what God would do? be amazing. I'm inspired by a pastor in, in, in Alabama, um, Chris Hodges, who has a church of, I think, 40-something thousand people. I don't know. Every week it's another 10,000, whatever. It's just amazing. And they have 21 days of prayer, and they have 10,000 people come out every day. At 6 o'clock in the morning. That church, and God has to honor that in their individual lives and their corporate life. We want all that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's get on our knees and start. Turn to the person next to you and say, I hope that you come to the prayer meetings on Saturday. <laughs> Some of you are like, I ain't saying that because I ain't getting up. <laughs> Lord, I pray you challenge us today in this message, and I pray that you would get into our business today. I pray that you would get into our dirt today and that we would give you an opportunity to clean us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the person next to you a high five. Amen. Amen. If you are a visitor, what we do is we take our Bibles, our word, and on the count of three, we're going to lift it up and say word, one, two, three. Say word. Very good. Turn to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two. Luke. Uh, every Christmas, especially over the last seven years or so, our culture has been pushing Christ out of Christmas more and more every year. 
it's now happy holidays and not Merry Christmas. I'm an old school Merry Christmas kind of brother. Merry Christmas. Amen. And so we're starting a series called Giving Up Christmas because even when Jesus was born, his arrival and his mission was resisted. Not only are we wanting to get rid of him, the world at the time was trying to keep him out. And so we're starting a series today called Giving Up Christmas and looking at these instances in the Bible where Jesus' arrival was doubted, it was resisted. And in this story today, I'm going to read this story to you and then I'm going to talk about it a little bit, explain a little bit. Then I'm going to ask you a question. So I want you to be prepared for the question I'm going to ask you. And my prayer is that God prepare you to allow God to get in your business. I don't want to know your business, really. <laughs> but that you let God in your business and God challenge you. That's what this is all about. We want to come here and say, Lord, search me and know me. And I don't want to just, you know, come and check the box. I want you to search me. So I'm going to read the story, then I'm going to explain it to you, then I have a question for you. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, It came to pass in the days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and all the world should be registered. Every 14 years, they would take a census to see who they should tax and who was qualified for military service. Verse 2, the census took, first took place while Kyrenius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the lineage of David, about 80-mile walk they had to take. And they went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, or his engaged wife, who was pregnant. And so it was, while they the days were completed for her to be delivered. And so she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Whenever I read this story and heard this story all my life, it was always presented to me that it was so sad that Jesus couldn't get in the inn. Can I get an amen? You know, the inn was full and there was no room for Mary and Mary was all, you know, she was pregnant and she had to go into the manger where the animals were and oh, how bad that was. And, and I started thinking about it and I was thinking about everything about Jesus' life was foretold that there was going to be, a, that he was going to be born of a virgin. That was planned. It was planned. It was planned that he would be a Nazarene. It was prophesied, you're going to be, he's going to be a Nazarene. It was also prophesied that he would be, be born in Bethlehem. It was prophesied that his name would be Jesus when Joseph found out his engaged, his wife-to-be that he had never had relations with was pregnant. He was going to divorce her and the angel came and said, your wife is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Only God can convince a brother that, that would be so. <laughs> can I get an amen, fellas? I mean, I'm sure Mary was tripping too. How did I get pregnant? I, I, I mean, how do you explain that away? Hey, Dad, I'm pregnant. Yeah, who's the guy? Nobody. Yeah, right. I'm going to go to your high school and kill all of them brothers, okay? I'm only kidding. I don't have a kid in high school. So, 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 so all, everything about it was foretold. What, the fact that Jesus would die for the sins of the world was all foretold, all planned out. That's the purpose he came. 
So why is it that him being in a manger was not planned? Not only foretold this is going to happen, but this is part of the plan. It was intentional. Matter of fact, look at chapter 2, verse 12. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe, not a girl, a little baby, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. The angels told the shepherds, you, this is going to be a sign. Not that, this is not an accident. This is a sign. We, this is part of God's eternal plan that he would be in the manger, not in the guest house. So I want to show you a manger. And, and I want you to show you a, a manger in a house. Because a lot of times, inside the house where people lived, at night they had a stall where they would bring the animals inside the house. And in the stall, in the house where they bring the animals in, there was a feeding trough. And if you can see it right here. So at night they would bring the animals in the house to keep them safe, keep them warm. And... The theory is that the, the, all the relatives and people were in the house. It was all these people coming to the town. And there was no room in the other rooms. So he went into the stankiest part of the house. He went into the underneath where the people lived, with the presentable parts. He went into the part that stunk up the whole house, the dirtiest part of the house. And it says, this will be a sign to you. Well, a sign of what? That God came to the nastiest part of our lives. And here's my question to you. Does God have access to your manger? Every single one of you have a part of you that's nasty. Can I get amen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, let me, say, let me say it another way. because It's not sinking in right now. You have your nice part, your presentable part. So if you come to my house, I'm going to take you to the room where the, where the plastic's on the couch. I'm going to take you to my kitchen. I'm going to take you to, the, I'm going to tour you around and show you the, the yard. All the nice parts. Can I get amen? Those are all your nice parts. Your face, your hair, your clothes, your this. But there's also a nasty part of your life. It's your pride. Your ego. Your gossip. Your critical spirit. Your addiction. The stuff you look at on the internet, on the phone when no one else is looking. Your jealousy, your bitterness, blaming God, accusatory spirit, your fear, your discouragement, any bondage you're in, all the stuff that little to nobody knows about you. God says, I don't want to go to your nice room. I want to go there. So when Jesus came to the house, he's like, I want you to just imagine, he's in the womb, but he comes to the house, and Mary and Joseph probably were thinking, I, we were told that our son is going to be the savior of the world. We were told that our son is going to be the king with an eternal government. We were told our son is called by the, by the heavenly father. So why are we going into this nasty room? He said, that's because that's what he came to, the nasty part of the world. The Bible says he didn't come to heal the righteous, he came to heal the sick. So he went to the sick part of the sick. What's your manger? Because it's one thing to come to church or do your Christianity where everybody can see it and it's all nice packaged. And you're not only showing it off to other people, but you're also kind of pimping Jesus. You're like, Jesus, look at all these good things I'm doing. He's like, listen, I don't want to hear about that. Let's talk about what you were just saying in your head about that person you don't even know. 
Let's talk about what you were thinking about when you were looking at those pictures on Instagram. How you were critical of your sister, your brother, your mother, your sister, your neighbor, your boss, your employee, your coworker. Let's talk about your jealousy. I, that's what I want to heal. I, I wanna, let's talk about your giving, your serving. Your church attendance, what you do in church, what you bring in church. Do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Do you come with a Bible? Do you come with a pen? Let's talk about all the, the hypocrisy in your life. That's, this is Jesus. I want to go there. I want to go there. I want to bring life to that. So the question is, does Jesus have access to your manger? In other words, are you willing to say, God, do whatever you want with me? Because if not, then he's like, I don't want to have a relationship with you. It's like, it's like, having, it's like having a dating relationship with somebody. And saying, listen, I'm going to go out with you, but here are the parameters. We're never, I'm never going to be honest with you. Because if he doesn't have access to your manger, you're not being honest with him. I don't, I'm not going to be honest with you. We're going to hang out a little bit, but it's going to be a very surface relationship. I don't want a relationship like that. And so just look in your notes, and I want you to think about this, number one of your notes. My nasty manger is, because there's two we're going to talk about, your nasty manger. Everyone say nasty manger. This is, this is the part of your life that stinks up the rest of your life. This is the part of your life that stinks up the rest of your life. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Does God have access to that? And let me tell you something. If you never say to God, God, I admit I have some nasty mangers in my life. God, here's what they are. God, can you deal with them? If you never say that, it doesn't mean he doesn't know about it. It's like, it's like, it's like you, can't, you can't have Jesus come into your life and say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to show him this part. Hey, you look how good I am. Everything's and, and he don't know about that. He, he knows about it. He's, he's, he's looking, he's standing here looking at you and he's looking over your shoulder. What's up with that? And then you, hey, 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 what's up with that? And you're trying to hide it from He's like, I know it's there. He says, I don't want to, I don't want to, let's talk about that first. What is your nasty manger? Look what it says. I'm going to call these actions, your thought life, your language, your online sites, your unconfessed lie or crime, crime, your secret addiction, your dysfunctional behavior. We've got all these things that you do that are nasty. Now, you may, not, you may be thinking, man, I, I, I think about this. Well, if you really want to know what your nasty manger is, just ask somebody who knows you. <laughs> Watch this, watch this. Raise your hand if you know someone else's nasty manger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so keep, everyone keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Just do this. <laughs> and look whose finger is pointing at you. That's the person you need to go talk to. <laughs> um, whenever I, every year, starting around Thanksgiving, through Christmas and New Year's, I get very emotional and sentimental about life. Another year's ending, and you can sometimes, you know, I think about the good things God done. But this year, God said to me, I want you to reflect on the victories of the devil in your life. Now, you might think, why would you do that? Here's why. Not only, not only, of course, I'm reflecting on bad things, uh, good things as well. He said, but I want you to reflect on the victories of the devils in your life because the devil has been deceiving you. And you don't even know it. You know, the Bible says that the devil can masquerade as an angel of light. And let's rename that an angel of right. 
In other words, the devil can tell you stuff that you think is right when there are lies about yourself, about your relationships, about how people receive you, about how you're viewing and perceiving other things. And so I started to say, okay, God, show me the devil's victory in my life, and he's been showing me. That's not what you think it is. You're not received like you think you are. That lie over there caused that pain. Matter of fact, if you want to really know, just look at the year and look at the death in 2016 in your life. The death of opportunities, the death of relationships, the death of dreams, the death of passion. And if you look at the death in your life, the things that through you have died, then ask God to show you the lie that caused you to act and caused that death. That's the devil. There's a manger there. There's pride there. There's ego there. There's arrogance there. There's insecurity there. God, show me my manger because I want to change. I want, I want to change. And so when Jesus came to the manger, he said, listen, I, I'm not here to have a party with y'all. I'm here to forgive sin and purify sin. So in that, in that space, I just want you to think about what could you write in that space. Now, if you have somebody sitting next to you, you might not want you to see your manger. Just kind of like, you know, scribble it on the side. But if you never call it out, it's going to be like the devil tripping you. You keep falling and getting back in line, falling and getting back in line. He's sitting there laughing at you because he's whispering in your ear, it's not your fault and it's God's fault, that person's fault when it's his fault. That's your manger. You also have a nice manger. Look at number two in your notes. My nice manger. Your nice manger is your phony smile. <laughs> your nice manger is your phony praise the Lord. Your nice manger is your A word Jesus MF blank. Your nice manger is where you... you Want everyone to see a certain you. The couch with the plastic on it. You can't go in there. I just want you to see it. How many of y'all remember the couch with the plastic on it? Anybody, anybody, anybody not know what the couch with the plastic on it means? Can you raise your hand if you don't know what that means? Okay, your grandma or maybe your mother had a couch or furniture. You put plastic on it because you don't want anyone to ruin it because you're not supposed to sit on it. It's just for show. And then you can't sit on the plastic. And I, and I remember as a kid going to my girlfriend's house and, and, or a girl's house or whoever, and, and, and you would sit on the plastic, and we knew we can't move because they're going to hear us. <laughs> that was the other reason for the plastic. You didn't know that, huh? It just hit me last week. That was the reason for the plastic. Because <laughs> you're trying to hey, kind of get close. <laughs> There's a lot of you on here going, that's what that was all about. Um, that's your nice manger. It's your, it's your praise the Lord manger. When Lord, this is as far as God gets, right here. He's not getting in here. What's that? And number three, my manger is an attempt to satisfy my what? Your lust, your selfishness, your pride, your ego. The fake things you do. God. I mean, if you took time and sit down and say, God, speak to me. God, send somebody to help me understand. A good friend of mine named Frank Viscata taught me years ago this 
exercise that you do in leadership, you could also do it in any relationship. It's called start, stop, continue. It's very, very powerful. You can do it with people who work with you, for you, work who you work for. You could do it with your, your family, whatever. And basically you sit down and you say, I'm going to share with you one thing that I want you to start doing. Just imagine if you're a spouse. How many of y'all are married right here? How many of y'all are married? Okay, very good. How many of y'all want to be married? Okay. How many of y'all, like, aren't either? <laughs> I don't know how that figures you're not either of those two. But you say, you say okay, um, let's say I do this with my wife. My wife would tell me one thing she wants me to start doing, okay, taking out the garbage on time, whatever it is. Why don't you say thank you, whatever it is. And then one thing she wants me to stop doing. And then one thing she wants me to continue doing. Are you following me? Everyone say start, stop, continue. You can write this down. It's okay. You can write anything you know what you want. And then I tell her, here's one thing I want you to stop doing, which is ask me to take out the garbage. <laughs> I'm only kidding, but you get the point. And then, and, and, and then I want you, here's one thing I want you to start doing, take out the garbage yourself. And then here's one thing I want you to do. <laughs> just an example. It's not just a joke. Uh, and then here's one thing I want you to continue to do. Now, when someone tells you those things in this drill, you don't argue. You just receive it. There's no, it's, it's, it's completely free, free zone. Say whatever you want. And we do it with our staff here and, you can, and people who, who report to me, people who I report to or board members, whatever. No one can say no. You say, okay, I receive it. This is your, what you're requesting and give me, I want to clarify. Imagine if you said that to someone. I want you to ask me what you want me to stop doing. What about me hurts you? irritates you, misrepresents God. Tell me. Ask someone that, that you trust. Take a deep breath and ask them. And get a pen out and write it down and say, God, can you deal with that? Whoo! You want God to teach? Listen, you can read a verse, memorize scripture, all that stuff, unless it gets to where it's going to change you, you're just doing religion. God wants to know, can he give you a manger? What's interesting is when Jesus died, when Jesus was born, he was born so he can live and die and pay for our sin. The whole reason he was born was so that he can die, so he can rise and give us an opportunity to be saved. Why? Because we were sinners and he wanted to come into the manger of our life and clean up our, all of our life, that our sins, those scarlet, will be white as snow. That we'll be purified, changed, not just go to heaven, but changed, transformed. And it only happens when you receive him into your heart and give him permission to transform you. Not to get you to go to church, but to transform you. And what's interesting, when he died, matter of fact, turn to, turn to Luke chapter 23. I'm going to read this verse to you. When he was born, it was similar to what happened to him when he, would, when he died. When he was born, he came out obviously naked, and they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and some linen and laid him in a manger. And at times, the manger was a trough or eating trough that was carved out of stone. And so I want you to imagine this Naked Jesus wrapped in 
cloth laying in stone. I want you to picture the dead Jesus wrapped in cloth laying in a tomb on stone. If you go to Jerusalem and you go into the, into the tomb where they believe he was laying, it's, it's carved out of a rock. And there is a shelf, a rock shelf carved out just like a trough where he laid right when he was died. Look what it says in chapter 23, verse 53. It says, after Jesus was crucified, they took him down. Chapter 23, verse 53, they took him down, wrapped him in linen, and laid him in a tomb that was hewn or carved out of rock where no one had ever lain before. Jesus was born just like he died. But the purpose was that he would come into your life and forgive you and cleanse you of your unrighteousness. He actually can take curse words out of your mouth. What does that mean? That you can actually not say them anymore. That he actually can purify the way you think. He can actually give you more patience for your spouse, for your friend, for your family. He can actually take the anger out of your heart. But you have to say, I invite you to do that. He's not going to bully his way into your life. But if you say, Lord, please forgive me and cleanse me. I surrender my life to you. He will. I did chapel last night for the, um, the Tampa Buccaneers and their director of player personnel is a young guy named Duke. I played football with Duke's dad. I knew Duke when he was six months old. He's now 32. And when Duke was six months old, he weighed about 60 pounds. I'm just guessing. He, he's, he's a big boy. He was, when he was born, he was born, he was 12 pounds. 12. And I saw him yesterday. I said, how much do you weigh now? He said, I'm 305 pounds. He said, I, 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 tried, I got down to 170, but I didn't feel good. So I just got my natural weight. Now he's 305. <laughs> he's just a big boy. And he was introduced me to the team before I, before I did the chapel. And, and he was going through our relationship since he was six months old. And then when he was like two and could walk, I would kneel on the floor in his house and he, he would run full speed and just run into me and tackle me. And we would just have this little game. And his wife was like, you're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt him. And I think she was talking about him hurting me. <laughs> but I used to go to his house because his mother and father were sold out believers and I was not. And I was like, there's something here that I want. And my wife then was a girlfriend. We were not walking with God. We would go over there and we would look at them and go, we want that. And what was it? It was the spirit of God in our life. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to get into your life and clean your junk out. And what he did in my life then, all the drugs, all the hanging out that I was doing, all the stuff I, that I used to do that was destroying my relationship, he removed it and healed. And I got married to that same woman. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and I want to give you an opportunity to give Jesus access to your manger and say, Lord Jesus, uh, um, I'm a sinner. The penalty of my sin is death. I believe that you were born in a manger of a virgin. You lived 33 years. You died, and you were put back in a manger, a tomb, and in both times, you were wrapped in cloth. And I believe that that was no accident, that you did that for me. For God so loved the world that he gave us one and only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. 
Don't push Jesus out of your life, out of your Christmas. Invite him way in. Ask him. I am asking him, God, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better pastor? How can I be a better Christian? I'm asking him that this Christmas season, get in my stuff. Please, because I don't like where I'm at now. I want to, I know there's more. And God's like, let's go. I'll tell you this, then we'll pray. He's loving. He's gentle. It works. He's good. Lord, thank you so much. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to people right now. Thank you for what you're doing in Roxanne Marcos. Thank you for all the people there who are there for the first time. God loves all of you. Thank you for what you're doing in City Heights. One year of amazing miracles. All kinds of miracles. But Lord, we, we give you access to our manger. We don't want to put you in a nice room and show you off as, hey, we got Jesus in our life. No, we want to take you in the back room where we got the black light on and the smoke and the incense and all the nasty stuff that we do. Can you clean that out? Because that back room is stinking up the rest of our life. I'm going to pray one prayer, and it's a prayer of manger access. In other words, you're going to pray, Lord, have access to my manger, but for some of you, it's a recommitment. It's like, Lord, let's go deep. And for some of you, you've never asked Christ to be your Savior. It's you asking and inviting him into your life. One prayer. So pray this in the privacy of your heart if you want to give... Jesus, access to your manger. Say, in the privacy of your heart, pray, Dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you were born in a manger as a sign to your intent to come into the nasty part of my life. I believe you died on the cross, were placed in a tomb, wrapped in linen and then you rose from the dead Jesus I surrender my life to you I invite you into my manger I surrender my life to you as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand if you prayed that prayer I want you to listen very carefully if Jesus is in your manger in your business he is dealing with your fear your pride your worrying about what other people think this is the time when you surrender all that to him and you say yes Lord I am yours and I am going to start living for you right now when the pastor asks me to stand if you prayed that prayer I'm going to ask you to stand this is the time to say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I am going to honor Jesus. So on the count of three, if you pray that prayer, for whatever reason, I'm going to ask you to stand. And by standing, you are declaring, yes, I am giving him access into my manger. So on the count of three, if you pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We see you all over. We see you in the balcony as well. God bless you. God bless you. Stay standing. God bless you. 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 
God bless you. Now, I'm going to ask all of y'all who are standing in a minute, I'm going to ask you to come down to the altar. If you're in the balcony, all you have to do is turn around and walk up, and the ushers will bring you down. The rest of us, let's celebrate them. Amen. So if you're standing up, come out of your seat, come on down to the altar, and let's give them a hand. They come on down. Amen. God bless you. 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 You're welcome. You're welcome. Say hi to her. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Are you from the South? Are you from the South? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.